0: Hello, and welcome to the New Franklin Assembly podcast. We're so glad that you chose to join us today. Our church is located at 2355 New Franklin Road, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17202. Today, Pastor James will be continuing his sermon series entitled Miracle Moms. The title of today's message is Moms Ministry. I do want to share with you uh, uh, a message that we started last week, uh, continue the sermon series called Miracle Moms. There are two moms introduced to us in Second Kings chapter 4. And last week we began looking at the first mom. <clears throat> the first mom in 2 Kings chapter 4, the first seven verses, that mom needed a miracle and she knew exactly where to find one. She was the widow of of a former prophet, and so when she needed a miracle, where did she go? She went to Elisha, the prophet of God, because God works miracles through the prophet, or through the prophetic, through the anointing, is what we'll look at it today, is how we'll look at it today. Elisha was the prophet of God, who had received a double portion anointing from God. Uh, Now, anointing simply refers to the power of God at work in a person's life, or in a church, or in a community. Uh, It's the anointing, or the power of God at work. Last week we established that as we look at these two moms in 2 Kings chapter 4, we need to keep in mind that Elisha represents the Holy Spirit's anointing upon God's people today. And so when we read about Elisha, we're we're likening him to today's church, the anointing of God at work in the church, at work in each and every one of us. Uh, And these two moms represent us and what we must do to experience the miracles and the anointing that we need today. So today I want to focus on the second mom having to learn how to do this one-handed all of a sudden so and I want to read to you 2 Kings chapter 4 beginning with verse 8 where we left off last week 8 through 17 and it says this one day Elisha went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal so whenever he came by he stopped there to eat She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and laid down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. And so he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Well, what can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. And so he called her and she stood in the door in the doorway about this time next year elisha said you will hold a son in your hands or in your arms no my lord she objected don't mislead your servant o oh man of god but the woman became pregnant and the next year about the same time she gave birth to a son just as elisha had told her so now these stories last week's story and this story this week takes place rather early in elisha's ministry Uh, Last week's mom, miracle mom that we looked at, knew Elisha. Very familiar with Elisha and very familiar with the anointing of God because her late husband was a prophet of God. This week's miracle mom, the Shunammite woman, doesn't seem too familiar with Elisha or the prophetic. Doesn't seem too familiar with his ministry or the anointing of God. And so it makes me wonder if this is what's going on in our country as well. I believe that this culture is very familiar with today's church. I believe today's culture is very familiar with Christianity as a whole. However, I wonder if it hasn't been familiarized or fully exposed to the anointing or the power of God. You see, which doesn't say much about today's church. You See, this Shunammite woman, she didn't know much about Elisha or the anointing of God. All she knows is that there's something different about this man. There's something powerful about this man Elisha. Something she hasn't seen in the religious system of the day. And That's what the anointing of God's Holy Spirit brings to a church. It separates us from the status quo religion that is very familiar to the world around us. It's just status quo religion. And see, I believe that in our efforts, in the church as a whole I'm talking about, in our efforts to be creative and effective and efficient in what we do for God, that perhaps much of the church has lost its dependency On the anointing of God or the power of God the Holy Spirit and this has brought in a sense a status quo state of being to to our culture to our church culture that doesn't seek the anointing as much as it used to perhaps now I'm all for the creativity in church I'm all for programs and 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 organized well thought-out structure in what we do as a church the anointing of God comes upon those things, so we need to, to be strong in those areas. We need to be creative and ingenuity. We need administration and structure, yeah. But without the anointing of God upon these things, it just is status quo religion. So status quo religion is not what the world needs right now. You see, God is not the God of the status quo. You've heard me say this several times, a bunch of times, really. As I read the Scriptures, and as I study the attributes of God, I am convinced that God is anything but status quo. He wants to fill our lives, to be honest, with an eternity filled with new levels of life, faith, and ministry. Christianity should never be a boring status quo state of being. But for some reason, I believe the people of God too often find themselves stuck in this status quo state of being when it comes to the kingdom of God. I know because I find myself there from time to time, even still, and I got to shake myself out of it. You see, it's easy to fall into that trap. It's easy to find ourselves there. Why? Well, because we become comfortable with the way things are. We become satisfied with life as we know it. The life that we're living. You see, we we know what to expect within the status quo. There's no surprises when it comes to the status quo. We know how to function within the status quo. We know what we know, and we don't want to know what we don't know. We're past that stage in our life, and and we just come kind of comfortable. The problem, though, with this kind of state of being with this kind of life, is that though it once made a difference for the kingdom of God, it isn't anymore. Though it once reached a lost and dying world, it isn't anymore. The church today is in need of a fresh anointing. The church today is in need of a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, so that people like this Shunammite woman, will once again take notice and saying, yeah, there's something different about that church. There's something different about that person. I can't place my thumb on it, but it's different than what I see in most churches. It's different than what I see in most religions. That's what was going on with this Shunammite woman. And so, again, the title to this sermon series is Miracle Moms. We looked at one last week. Here's another one. The title to this message is Mom's Ministry. Mom's Ministry. I believe the church's ministry should be, that, should be like that of this Miracle Moms, the Shunammite woman, in that we need to pursue a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches and in our community. This woman didn't settle for status quo religion. It didn't satisfy her, but instead she pursued a continual flow of God's Holy Spirit. We'll see that as we read on in the scriptures. And this should be the ministry of the church today, to pursue a continual flow of God's power for our community. So now, let's get back to the story. In verse 9, we read, it says this, this woman, she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. In other words, what was she saying? In other words, there's something different about this man. Again, the difference that she sees in Elisha, the difference between what she sees in Elisha and what she sees in the religious system of the day is the anointing of God. Elisha was given a double portion anointing from his predecessor, Elijah. Again, the anointing of God was evident throughout Elisha's life. It was evident in the words he spoke, it was evident in the miracles he performed. It was evident in the manner in which he carried himself in every aspect of his life. it wasn 't that this woman heard him preach he may have, she may have she didn 't go to a church service well maybe she ha- she may have you see, but she saw that before. You see it was on the a lot of preachers are on the television to these days. What was different about this man? You see it was every aspect, how he spoke, how he carried himself, there was something different. It came out in his demeanor, which leads me to have to evaluate my own life and ask myself the question, do people see a difference in me? Is the anointing of God evident in all that I do, whether I'm preaching or not, whether I'm sharing Jesus or not, do they just see it in me when I'm working and when I'm out talking and cutting the lawn? talking to a neighbor, is what I do and what I say anointed of God to the point of making a difference in someone else's life? Are you making a difference in someone else's life today? That's the anointing. Is what I do and say anointed of God where it's making a difference in someone's life? If not, then perhaps we have fallen into that status quo state of being. It is the anointing of God that attracted this woman to Elisha. And it's the anointing of God that will attract lost souls to the Lord through you. It's the anointing of God that will attract hurting lives to this church and that will bring true seekers to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is the anointing of God that heals the sick and sets the captive free, that changes lives and restores the brokenhearted. And this goes on and on and on. The Shunammite woman saw something different in Elisha and this was what she wanted more of in her life. So let's take a close look now and see what it is about this Shunammite woman that allowed the anointing of God to flow into her life. Let's learn how we can then destroy the staleness of the status quo in our lives and bring about a continual flow of the Holy Spirit's power into our, our lives and into this church. Point number one. The ministry of today's church should be to urge the anointing to come. Should be to urge the anointing to come. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. It said this, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. Now, the first thing, again, that we notice about this woman is a deep desire for the anointing to come into her life. It was a deep desire. Verse 8 says that she urged him to come over. I believe that's more than a simple invitation, you see. Please RSVP, you're invited to this. No, that's not urging, you see. When I picture a Shunammite woman, this Shunammite woman urging Elisha to come in her home, I can't help... But think of an Italian mom's home. I grew up in Italian, and, and it's not just unique to Italians. I know some of you here are probably the same way. But I grew up in an Italian home. So I know I could never visit my Aunt Anna, my Aunt Terry, my Aunt Annie, all my aunts, uncle. I could never visit them without staying and having a meal with them. They always had something. You see, they would urge, they would just, hey, it was an insisting that you stay. You see, my wife is like that. You come over, she's going to cook a meal, she's going to prepare, she's going to come and fellowship, talk, tell me what's going on. See, it was an insisting that caused Elisha to go with this woman to her home. It was a request made out of a determination. Perhaps Elisha saw the same determination in her that he himself once had that actually put him in a position to receive his double portion anointing. If you know the story, if you go back and read it a few chapters earlier, again, Elisha followed the prophet Elijah. And so Elijah was the prophet of God, anointed of God, and his time was coming near. And they knew that God God was going to take him away. He he never saw one of those strange miracles. He never saw death. God just kind of scooped him up and took him to heaven. That's what happened with Elijah. And they knew Elijah and Elisha, they knew this was going to happen. So Elijah goes from city to city. He goes on his goodbye tour, in a sense. And every time he goes to a new city, he, he goes to his servant Elisha. He says, Listen, stay here. God has called me to this city. And Elisha says, No, as surely as you live, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I'll not leave you. Okay, come, come with me. He goes to the next city. And then Elijah says, Listen, why don't you stay here? There's no need for you to come to the next city. Elisha says, No. And finally, I mean, it was just a determination to stay with Elijah, to see God. Scoop him up. And that actually placed him in a position to receive his double portion anointing. It was a determination to receive from God at the very end of Elijah's life. The anointing we seek after in our lives, in our church, it's not going to come simply because we request it to come. There needs to be an urging on our part, For the anointing of God to come. What is it about your life that indicates how much you desire the power of God at work in your life? What is it about this church that indicates how much we desire the anointing of God to come? What does our urging look like? Let that sink in a little bit. What does our urging look like? Is regular church attendance good enough? Regular service or ministry involvement? Four songs on Sunday mornings and offering a message for the, uh, from the pastor? A calendar full of activities? Is that enough? The urging process is the process that begins to disrupt the status quo. That's what it looks like. It's the process that begins to interrupt. The status quo. This woman invited the prophet over for a meal. How many ever hosted a dinner party? Do you, do you set the table the same way that you always set the table? Do you cook the same way you always cook? See, Does the house look the same way that it always looks? It's an interruption of the status quo. This is what it looks like in the church as well. The church that urges the Holy Spirit to come will shake things up a bit. The church that urges the Holy Spirit to come will try new things, will add things to its schedule, will begin to change the way things have been done. I believe we have embraced the urging process here at our church. The urging process is the sign that we are not satisfied with the way things are, that we need more of God. What is it it about your life that makes God think? What is it about our church that makes God think that these people are not going to give up until I pour out my spirit anew on them? Are we urging the Holy Spirit to come into our lives? And unfortunately, many times, however, our determination, even our desperation for God and God's power, it comes only after we find ourselves in great need. How many have been there? I've been there. Where all of a sudden, we need a miracle. All of a sudden, chaos abounds, and now we're desperate for God. But if you really think about it, The need is already great. Do we not see lost souls in our community? That's a great need. Do we not see unsaved, unchurched loved ones in our homes and our families? That's a great need. Do we not see the sick suffering and the brokenhearted mourning and, and the hopeless and the helpless searching? The need is there. It's already great. This should make us want more of God's power at work in us and through us. Do we not see a world filled with chaos and confusion today? Do we not see people deceived by Satan's lies, calling good evil and evil good? There's a great need out there. If we're not desperate for God's Holy Spirit and we've settled in to the status quo. This should make us want more of God's power at work in our lives. How bad does the world around us have to get before we begin disrupting the status quo in our lives and in our churches? How bad does the world around us have to get before we begin urging the Holy Spirit to come? Point number two, the ministry of today's church should number one be to urge the anointing to come, Point number two, prepare for the anointing to remain. Prepare for the anointing to remain. Let's read verse 8 again. It says this, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. In other words, she welcomed a continual disruption of the status quo. She welcomed a continual disruption of the status quo. This is where it begins to get a little, oh, do I really want this? You see, do I, do I really want to knock on my door when I don't expect it? You see, that means I need to keep the house cleaned because I never know when the guy's going to show up. It means I got to keep food in the house means I can't just walk around in my underwear. i got to be dressed, right? The status quo has to change. I have to continually be prepared for this. She wanted more than just a quick visit that made her feel all warm and fuzzy inside. She wanted continual quality time with this man. This was more than simply attending revival services or listening to his recorded messages or even reading a few of his books. This was quality time with the anointing of God evident within this man. This woman regularly gave of herself so that the anointing of God would have a greater impact in her life. So let me ask you another question. I'm asking a lot of rhetorical questions today, things to to think about and chew on. What do we do to make the Holy Spirit feel welcome or even needed in our lives? Let me ask that again, and then I'll go on to explain. What do we do to make the Holy Spirit feel welcome or needed in our lives? A status quo religion doesn't need the Holy Spirit, so why should he show up? Well, what do you mean? Well, let me explain. You see, the status quo ministry has created a system that works without any kind of outside help. A status quo ministry has accepted a ministry that is comfortable, you see, has established a life or a culture that is familiar. A status quo state of being, it needs no new skills. The status quo state of being, is it's a state where no new desires are being sought after. No new dreams are being dreamt. dreamt. If we want a continual visitation from God's Holy Spirit, the way Elisha continue, continually visited this miracle mom, then there must be a continual giving of ourselves. There must be a continual commitment to the will of the Father. There must be a continual desire to, use, to be used of God. And, but more than this, there must be a continual dependence on the Holy Spirit, a continual understanding that what I can do is never enough unless the Holy Spirit empowers me to do it. It must be a continual stretching and a learning when it comes to what I do for God. Have you ever been in a position where if God doesn't work, it's all going to fall apart? If God doesn't intervene, it's all going to fall apart. You see? It's that place of being where you're totally dependent on God. You've gone past your skill levels, your understanding, your wisdom, your experience. That's where we need to be as a church where we're doing things that will fall and fail unless God is in it. Because that's where God has called us to be. That's where God has called us to do. If what I'm doing for God has become so second nature to the point where I can just do it probably within my sleep, well, that's a clear-cut sign that the status quo has settled in. We prepare for the Holy Spirit to remain in our lives by putting him in a position to have to work in our lives. God will always call us to do more than we can accomplish in and of ourselves. That's the kind of ministry that is continually experiencing the Holy Spirit's anointing. That's the kind of ministry that is continually disrupting the status quo. That's the kind of life that is continually reaching new levels of faith and ministry. Point number three, the ministry of today's church should be to urge the anointing to come, point number one, to prepare for the anointing to remain, and to sacrifice for the anointing to reside. The sacrifice for the anointing. What do I mean? Well, let's look at it. What's the difference between the Holy Spirit remaining and the Holy Spirit residing? Well, when I refer to the Holy Spirit remaining, I'm referring basically to the occasional visitation where God shows up in a special way. When I refer to the Holy Spirit residing, I'm referring to the power of God that is constantly working in and through a person's life or ministry. So let me explain. Let's read 2 Kings 4, verses 9 and 10, and then we'll see a little closer. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him, and then he can stay there whenever he comes in, comes to us. So there are two things that we need to realize when it comes to a residing anointing. So now, again, what's the difference? Well, uh, uh, what's the difference between um, uh, the Holy Spirit remaining and residing? I lost my word. Remaining or residing. Remaining is basically a visitation. We come to church, we gather in his name, we sh- and God visits. I, I, the Holy Spirit was here today. The presence of the Lord was strong here. It's a visitation, a residing anointing. The Holy Spirit co- goes home with us. It's the power of God at work in the individual, and it's staying. It's not lifting from your life. Well, that's the kind of anointing we're talking about. And so there's two things that we need to, to realize when it comes to a residing anointing. First, the difference between the Holy Spirit uh, the difference between a Holy Spirit visitation and a Holy Spirit resident anointing is in the sacrifice involved, in the sacrifice. Once she realized that the anointing of God changes lives, once this woman realized that the anointing of God impacts communities and establishes God's kingdom on earth like as it is in heaven, she would stop at nothing to make sure this ministry was based out of her home she and her husband decided to build an extension onto their home so that this man of God could dwell there whenever he was in the region. A visitation cost very little compared to a resident living in and among them. You see, preparing a meal every once in a while costs very little compared to placing an extension on your home. And again, a visitation anointing, in comparison, costs the church very little than a resident anointing. The Bible says that when two or more are gathered in his name, what's the rest of it? There he is in the midst of us. Visitation. Doesn't take very much. God is going to show up. It's a visitation. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people and that he is seeking, he's searching for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we open the doors on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday and Tuesday Bible studies, and, and we gather and we worship two or more of us in spirit and in truth. And what happens? The Lord shows up. But That doesn't cost very much. It's not a lot to ask for, even though this community, this, this day and age, it is asking a lot. It shouldn't be, but for us here, it's not a lot. We come. We like to be with each other. We like to worship the Lord. We enjoy. But to have the Holy Spirit stay indefinitely in our lives, powerfully, where he's working in us us and through us, this this, this married couple built a room, an extension onto their house. They furnished the room. They gave him the key to the house, probably. They had inconvenienced themselves in every aspect of their lives, financially and socially, as a married couple, having them live in the house. It's easy to pray for revival, and we all do it. But we need to ask ourselves, where is the sacrifice behind our request? Are we simply just asking for a revival, or is there action behind the request? I believe we as a church have always been a church of sacrifice. We know what it is. But I also believe that God is asking us to come into a new season of sacrifice. I mentioned in this year's New Year's messages back in January and February how I believe the Lord is asking us to come into a season of sowing. And that was the topic of my sermon series in January and February. God is bringing us into a season of sowing. For many years, we have reaped the benefits of those who have sowed seeds into this life, into this ministry, and into our lives. They have sacrificed years ago, and we've been able to reap the benefits. We, benefit the, the, we still are reaping the benefits of their sacrifice. But it's time to begin sowing again. It's time to begin investing in get, again. It's time to begin sacrificing again. That's why... We have renovated the foyer. That's why we're looking to enhance the front entrance. That's why we have plans for the children's area and the stage area. That's why we are reevaluating each ministry and we're looking at it. That's why we're trying new things. It's all because God has called us to do so much more than we can do in and of ourselves. So much more than the status quo. And the second thing we need to realize when it comes to a resident anointing, The difference between a Holy Spirit visitation and a a, a resonant anointing is not just in the sacrifice provided, but it's also in the purpose. What do I mean? Well, a visitation brings healing, brings deliverance, brings restoration, it brings blessing to our lives. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside, you see. It touches our thoughts and our emotions, and at times it motivates us and challenges us. That's a good thing, is it not? Yes, we should want that. We should pray for it. We should be determined to, to experience that every time we gather together. But the purpose of a resident anointing, if we could put it that way, is more for impacting the world around us. It's not just how we, comfortable we feel. It's about the unsaved and the unchurched community that we're called to reach and called to serve. Again, it's the difference between the Holy Spirit coming to meet our needs And flowing through us to meet the needs of the community what is it that we are willing to sacrifice in order for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our life so that the world around us would be impacted so the community will be impacted that's what he asks of us a sacrifice are we willing to sacrifice our time away from hobbies endeavors family and friends Are we willing to sacrifice our energy away from our passions and pleasures, our finances, away from feelings of comfort and security? You see, I could say this because he's asked this of me time and time again, all three and more, and I know many of you can say the same thing. What is it that we are willing to sacrifice for the anointing of God. What is it that we're willing to do to establish the power of God in our lives? Think about it this way. This woman tore down old walls to rebuild new ones. Why? Well, because the walls that once contained the glory of God was now only hindering its increase. Without tearing down new walls, she wasn't going to get that resident anointing She can only get a visitation every once in a while. Today in our churches, perhaps, what are those walls? Perhaps it's the songs we sing or the styles of ministry or the programs or the traditions that once brought the glory of God but are now only hindering its increase. This woman changed the entire look of her home. She was willing to do this because the status quo may have kept her comfortable being a well-to-do woman, as she was, but it didn't do anything to bless the community around her. When today's church realizes the difference between a Holy Spirit visitation and a Holy Spirit's resident anointing, then we are well on our way to experiencing a continual flow, outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And in closing, I'll say this. In, well, in closing, I want to remind us of the words of Jesus. Let's put it that way. Some of Jesus' last words on this earth before ascending into heaven, they're recorded in Mark's chapter 16 and Acts chapter 1. I want to read that to you. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, Jesus says this He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany all who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up, their, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And then in Acts 1.8, again, before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the anointing we're talking about. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is our calling. We are called to bring the power of God to the unsaved and the unchurched community. This is our first top priority as children of God, as a church. Let's let the reality of that calling captivate us and keep us pursuing more of him, the way this Shunammite woman pursued the anointing in Elisha. And listen, I read Acts 1-8 for a reason. Acts 1-8 is not just about the Holy Spirit being made available to us. It is. We thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. But it's about who we are called to reach, Under the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the world. There is a pattern there. Jerusalem was their home, Judea was the uh, outer region, and Samaria was the outer region after that, and then to the ends of the world. We are very missionary minded here as a church, and I'm very grateful for that. That's a testimony. Great, great, great testimony. We support many missionaries, and rightly so. But we need to be just as missions-minded when it comes to our community. We are the missionaries to our neighborhoods. This church is a missions organization to our Jerusalem, New Franklin. We need to reach our Jerusalem. And the better we are, at reaching our Jerusalem, the further out we'll be able to reach around this world, the more we'll be able to reach around this world. Our first mission is our community, but we cannot fulfill our God-given mission without a fresh anointing of God's Holy Spirit. And so our mission, our ministry, therefore, must be to urge the anointing to come To prepare for the anointing to remain, and the sacrifice for the anointing to reside. That'll bring us to new levels of life, faith, and ministry, and we'll experience great things in God. That's what He's called us to, and we're beginning to see it happen in our midst. But we need to keep on, keep it on, as they say. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this miracle mom that we read about in 2 Kings chapter 4 and the example that she set, Lord Jesus, for you, for for us, and for the church here. Lord God, we ask that you help us evaluate ourselves, God. Help us to see what our urging looks like, how we need to sacrifice time, perhaps, energy, resources, we need to prepare for a mighty outpouring of your spirit we thank you for your holy spirit's anointing upon us we thank you that you have given us that power god i pray now that your holy spirit would would begin to to increase in our lives fall fresh on us may we enlarge our tents Lord, so that we can contain more of your glory, more of your spirit, so that we can accomplish more of your will, your, that we can see more souls saved and lives touched and the sick healed and the captive set free. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you do show up in our lives, that you are active in our lives. But Lord, we want more, not for selfish reasons. We want more because we see a chaotic world. We see lost sinners. We see people who are blinded by the enemy. Lord, we see the hurting and the hopeless and the helpless. We want more of you because we can't do it. We can't reach them without more of you. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we pray this in your name, amen. Hello everyone, this is Pastor James. I hope you enjoyed today's message. My prayer is that you would always experience all that God has for you. New Franklin Assembly exists to advance God's kingdom to encourage God's people and to serve our community. If you're in the Chambersburg area, we would love to have you join us for a live service. For more information, please visit our website at www.newfranklinag.org. Thank you. God bless.